Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. Before we get started with the show, I want to thank our friends and sponsors over at PrimeXPT, where many of our listeners have already signed up to trade by visiting theburbnest.com slash PrimeXPT. PrimeXPT is the most powerful trading platform offering immediate access to over 30 assets. Users may trade cryptocurrencies, Forex, commodities, stock indices, and much more, all from a single Bitcoin settled account. PrimeXPT gives experienced traders up to 100x leverage to multiply their capital while also providing users with multiple order types, low trading fees, and ultra-high liquidity to equip them with a one-of-a-kind trading experience. Registration does not require any user information. So visit the link below and start trading on Prime XPT in minutes. And now for the show. What the Nest Show is. This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and forex centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of The Nest Show. And today we are having a truly inspiring and a very, very special guest, Sam uh, Bankman Freed. Do I spell that right? Yep, you got it. Awesome, that's very good. Or known under SBF Alameda on Twitter, CEO of FTX Official Exchange and Alameda Research. Uh, Sam, welcome to today's show. I'm truly inspired by you. I've always been inspired. You are a great, great example of and a very dynamic person in this space. Welcome to the show. And well, that's going to be a good show with yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. So uh, very first question, actually, you know, that, that, that I wanted also personally always to know, uh, like SBF Alameda, right? This is kind of like a different than what it sounds for your full name. So what's yep. the story behind this? You know, just like an abbreviation. What's the story behind it? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, SBF is just, you know, my, my initials and I, I've sort of, you know, often people will call me that just my name's a little too long. Uh, but uh, you know, Alameda was um, back in 2017 uh, when I started up Alameda Research, a crypto market making firm. I uh, I was in uh, Berkeley, California, and uh, uh, Berkeley is in Alameda County, and uh, and so that that sort of we were not very creative with the name, but it was uh, at some point we just needed a, na- a name now, and that's what we ended up with. Awesome. That's quite a. <laughs> That must have been quite a right, I gotta be honest with you. I mean, how did you find living in LA back then? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I, I really liked California. I liked the Bay Area. I liked, um, you know, obviously I spend most of my time at the office. So in some sense, it's just sort of like, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Um, but I, I, you know, it's a good place. I had, I had fun there. Um, I, and uh, I don't think, I don't know if this is like at the time, the most happening place for crypto. Um, and, and you know, obviously I'm not there anymore. I'm, I'm now in Hong Kong, but, okay. um, as I grew up, uh, not, not too far away, uh, down in, in uh, in the Bay area. So. 
Okay. Yeah. So I, I just you know opened them up because I'm definitely not not a native like not I'm not US. Right? <laughs> I'm Polish. So yeah, I, I kind of like seems to seem to have confused because actually you know per what I see Alameda is located uh, very way you know just closer to San Francisco rather than yep. Los Angeles. Yep. And uh, like, is it like from your experience like for uh, for how long truly like you you lived there before you moved? So it's interesting. I mean. I grew up there, so I, I was there for you know, the first eighteen okay. years of my life. But but then I moved away for 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 college and work, and then I, I'd only moved back there um, for about a year uh, before I ended up moving to Hong Kong. Okay, so the reason for that question was I truly wanted to just kind of like pull your tongue on how old you are because nobody truly knows how long. You know? Oh yeah, I'm twenty eight. I think I'm pretty sure I'm twenty eight. That's about right. <laughs> you're pretty so. sure twenty eight. Okay, I believe that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and you are such a good entrepreneur, you know, as for 28. I mean, it just is truly like inspiring, not only, you know, to myself, but to so many people for how fast, you know, you are growing as a person, you are growing as a brand and you are growing Thank as you. as a company. So, you know, just you are being the face, you know, the the head of, of the FTX. And uh, if you don't mind, I think, you know, uh, apart from my general interest, I think it's going to be great to kind of like get like a good short story on how, you know, FTX idea came up to you. Yeah, um, it was, you know, there are sort of two things happening. One was just like, you know, an exchange seemed like a really uh, good business to be in. I mean, it was like exchange is just a huge part of crypto. Um, but the other thing was that uh, particularly derivatives exchanges, particularly at the time, just, you know, late 2018, were pretty fucked up. Um, and I mean, this sort of like just true in many ways, right? There's sort of like the, you know, the, the matching engines that couldn't handle the load. There is like liquidation engines that couldn't handle the liquidations. Um, you know, providing margin and collateral is a huge pain. It's just in so many ways, it was a really difficult thing to do. And, and a really big pain in the ass. And I think like, uh, you know, no one was really happy with the state of them. And I, um, and, and, and so, you know, it, it was both like a really appealing business to try and get into, but also just like, yeah, there's just all the incumbents had a lot of problems. Um, and so then it sort of left us feeling like we could do better, you know, like we could make something that's, you know, fixes a lot of these, like we've seen a lot of this from the inside out, you know, we know how it works, what it looks like. Um, and, and we know as, as, you know, a user, what people want, or at least, you know, what, what would work for us. And so, you know, I think that sort of, you know, left us feeling like, like we're in a pretty good place to build, you know, to redesign this. Uh, but what it, it didn't solve obviously was getting customers. Like, you know, you can build whatever product you want, but if no one ever comes to use it, like, you know, who cares? And so I think that was sort of like the flip side of this was just like, okay, sure, we could do this. Um, but like, is anyone ever going to use it? Do we even know how to do that? And, you know, I think where we ended up basically was, I don't know, maybe, uh, but let's give it a shot. Okay. That's, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, I, I could definitely confirm, you know, and just on, on my end, you know, you are being the builder, let's say the provider as an exchange, you know, owner, 
I at the same time was on the other on the other side, just the way you kind of like used to used to be, as as you said. And what I can remember, you know, back in 2017, I was mainly sticking with Bitrix Exchange, right? And it was so yep. terrible regarding, you know, their user interface, like their user overall experience. Like they didn't seem to care a, a lot. I'm still surprised that they actually just exist until until now. But uh, long story short, you know, I was remembering pretty much like this um, special, these special moments that, you know, for example, uh, when the stop losses, like such a basic function, you know, it didn't really work either at all or well back then, right? Like it wouldn't trigger, yeah. it wouldn't ever, you know, just kind of like uh, appear on my on my screen for some reason. And uh, you know, that's that's kind of like when I think of 2017, uh, that's what it that is what that was when I when yeah. I actually joined, you know, the crypto more on the more active I would say trading part because before I was mainly focused, you know, just on my universities on my studies as well. And uh, because I was in this engineering space, I was, you know, I heard very frequently of Bitcoin, you know, and, and, and Ethereum, but didn't really get enough interest. So if you don't mind uh, for, well, for our, for our viewers to actually get to know you better in person, uh, how did you some actually start crypto? Like, where did it come from? Yeah. Um, so I was at Jane Street Capital before I got into to crypto is you know trading ETFs there and I uh, it was as I you know had, had a lot of fun there it was a really good place um and I ended up leaving 2017 and you know kind of took a look at like coin market cap and just like clicked on Bitcoin and saw that like it was quoting different numbers for every exchange sort of like that's that's weird you know like that looks like a pretty big arbitrage Sort of my first instinct was, ah, I'm sure it's not. You know, I'm, I'm sure that that's just bad data. Like, that's too big. And in fact, half, it, lost, it was a lot of bad data in a lot of places. I mean, bad data is sort of like a, a crypto hallmark. But it wasn't all bad data because arbitrage is another crypto hallmark. And in fact, some of them were real. Like Coinbase and Bitstamp did, in fact, often trade at different prices back in 2017. And, uh, and, and so, you know, when I sort of checked it, I was like, oh, wow, like some, some of these are real. Um, and, uh, and, and some of them are big. And so I sort of jumped in and, and, you know, the first few months were like, how quickly can we scale up and get all the infrastructure necessary to kind of, you know, do this as big as possible. Okay. Again, so, uh, we are actually confirming with your words right now that this space, first of all, it needs constant and I would say improvement and adjustment to the actual expectation from the users. And at the same time, uh, you know, it lets us evolve into the, the, into the right direction as, a, as well and as an industry, right? Because it, it actually enforces, you know, on, on, the, on the providers, on the suppliers, uh, it forces them to Im constantly improve their products, right? Because otherwise, again, this is going to be just another yep. matrix, which is well, no matter how we call that, it, it is dead right now, right? It's not really having much traction. It's not really having much traffic. Mainly, yep. beca mainly, be <laughs> mainly because of your reasons as well as, <laughs> as, and great, great works, you know, as, as FTX. Um, and what I want to know, you know, I'm super curious to hear, like, we already know what, you know, what it, how it happened for you to, to kind of like, you know, just become the crypto person, let's say. But... Um, Knowing that, you know, FTX as an exchange, now, 
it would also associate, I would say, and gather, you know, just many, many talented people. I, I, I do assume not only from the cryptocurrency industry. Is that correct? Yep. Yep, definitely right. Okay, awesome. So, um, yeah, I, I just I was actually just wondering, you know, uh, personally, that's just a personal question. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, how the application process looks like? Like, if people want to join, for example, your company, yeah. like, you are a very special company. You are a very fast-growing company, and I'm quite sure you're having, like, your own very special application, I would say, uh, well, tests. So... It's a good question, and a lot of this depends on, you know, what you'd be looking to do there. Um, and obviously, for developers, it's sort of the most straightforward process, right? Like this sort of like interview process for developers. I'm not saying it's, it's like completely uniform, but at least you can kind of like think about what the basic thing is, right? You like, you know, try coding something. Um, but for a lot of other roles, it, it's it's a lot less clear. And, um, uh, and and so and. I don't know what the right answer is. Like we do the best we can, but it's really hard to know without having worked for someone, what it's like to work with them. Um, yeah. But, you know, basically what it is, is like, you know, talking to people, kind of talking through scenarios. Um, and I, you know, getting a sense of what you do, how you'd handle things, but all that only gives so much, you know, there's so much visibility also into like how you work. So often we'll also have things like, you know, try working on something with us, you know, okay. if you look at like, and, and this can mean a lot of different things, but like, you know, if you look at where did some of our, you know, where did a lot of our, our, our employees start out, you know, a lot of them honestly started out like just providing free customer service basically in like a telegram group, you so know, very organic but, journey. Yeah, and you can look at, at you know at 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 Dante Berg out of Bio and a bunch of other people, um, who you know before they were working for us in any capacity were just sort of like in the chat rooms, you know. And, and, and the nice thing about that is it, it sort of like you know gives us a chance to uh, to get visibility into like how they handle things, how they work. Yeah. And and you know either that or we sort of, sort of seen them working at a different job that we've interfaced with or one of us sort of has a background with them and knows them, which is really helpful one way or another to like have some experience with like how someone works. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think this is a very for, 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 for answer for that. Definitely. You know, I think what's the synonym for, for many startups in the space, uh, you know, for, again, for many exchanges, because all of like another day at your, at one point, FTX was a startup, wasn't it? Yep. So it was. And it still is. It's just like not, not really. It's it's like less of an early stage startup now. You so know, how like how how many people do you hire? It's you know forty ish. Sort of depends on exactly how you define, but forty is about the right number. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So this is yeah that that's quite some size already that I can tell. Yeah. But uh, you know, I was what I want to say is for for example, like I'm I'm kind of like on the other side, you know, um, while still being the supplier, right? Um, for uh, mainly, let's say, focusing all, all, all of my, let's say, B2C or B2B services more regarding and wrapping up around the trading, but from the user point of view mainly, right? Not, not really yep. as, a, as a provider, but more as a user. Yep. And uh, well, for being, you know, just in this space, as I said, uh, and actually being, you know, successful in this space, I think that this main synonym that every, I would say, builder we need to have is this proactivity, 
right? Is this proactivity and ability to adjust to the dynamics of, of whatever opportunities you get, right? You get. Yeah. And uh, I would see so many people pretty much like, you know, just uh, be overly passive. Like, I know, and again, that's not necessarily bad. That's just not some startups may need at some point. So uh, that was one, I would say, kind of like field of interest that I wanted to actually get out for here about the, the, the application. Like, if you, if you can tell, like, are, are you perhaps talking to them in person at times or you're just completely... Uh, not 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 interacting with that. So you know, we'll try and have I maybe something written first, but then you know, phone calls with or you know, video calls with some members of the team, and then ideally, uh, sort of an in-person discussion in the end, and and really try and get a sense of like you know, what are they, what are they like? How do they think about things? How do they work? And and as you said, like it's this is very much not a space where there's just like an answer to everything. And you sort of have to know the answer. This is very much a space where you have to be creative. You have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be able to take a dynamic situation and give a dynamic response. You know, you have to be able to, to notice when there shifts and you have to be able to pivot when pivoting is needed. And you have to identify opportunities when they come. Yeah. Yeah. Taking, taking up the opportunities. I think that's, that's pretty well said. Now, you know, I was, um, when I was actually, you know, just reading about your story, let's say, uh, on the internet, there was one point that actually like grabbed my attention quite, quite strongly. If I, uh, well, if, if I have to be honest, be here uh, for for all the time. Uh, you, it says that you had, you did have your story as a trader, Jane Street, from 2014 all the way up to 2017, and uh, yep. you know, we might have, you know, just very slightly touched upon or somewhere around already, but. I'm super curious to know, like, what exactly or how it did look like for you to be a trader. Like, were you an actual trader or you were just like a consultant helping? How right. How did it look like? So, yeah. So I was at Jane Street for about three years and I was doing quantitative ETF trading there. And it was a variety of a bunch of different things. But, you know, a lot of this was building models for structured products. Um, you know, deploying them onto trading systems and then in real time monitoring them and, you know, everything from, you know, adjusting parameters, making updates, um, thinking if they're still the right models, if not, what's the right way to do it. And uh, it was, you know, it was also a, a you know, fairly dynamic job. And there is a lot of, um, a lot of work to do and a lot of, of things to expand on, but uh, but yeah, you know, it's sort of a combination of quantitative modeling, real-time trading and thinking about how to handle that, OTC trading, and and uh, building infrastructure and sort of everything else that goes into being able to actually, you know, run a successful trading operation uh, at sort of large scale. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, that, that does sound interesting. And again, I think that you are a very... Mm, talented, talented person for for a couple of reasons. Not only because of what you said, but actually you are very talented marketer as well. You can really you. you can really attract people, you know, around you. I think this yep. is a, this is a pretty great skill to have. And um, tell me, like, you are currently a main threader on Twitter, unquestionably, right? You are so yep. well known for organizing, you know, thread tweets, uh, thread tweets, yep. you know, on 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 your on your timeline. 
And uh, like, was it was it something that came out like pretty much natural, or you 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 kind of like decided that okay, there is a gap, I just open it and I'm going to create like Twitter threads. It's it's a good question, and it definitely like started out um, pretty. Uh, it started out pretty organically and it sort of grown organically and it really is just sort of like me organizing my thoughts, you know, like I'll sort of, you know, there's some topic that I have some thoughts on that seems important topical that people are thinking about. And, uh, and, you know, just sort of feel like I, I obviously I sort of like have to, you know, comb through it a little bit and make sure that there's nothing that I'm sort of like, not at liberty to say or anything like that, but you know, mostly I'm just sort of trying to structure my thoughts and then write them down and, and, and think about, and partially it's how I think about it, partially thinking about what perspective are other people coming from here? What are the parts I think they already have? What are the parts that, that I think might be new to people and, and, and making sure to structure it also in a, in a way that I, you know, that, that sort of like feels natural given where people are coming from and that presents it in a way that fits way you know what's new to them and, and what's not um but yeah i know overall i think i think it's pretty pretty natural okay uh you know the reason i'm asking that i mean is first of all my my own curiosity but second of all is well your actual again engagement in the in the community like what makes you very very different from from the other people from the other I would say providers is that you are extremely engaged and I would say actively monitoring, you know, what happens all over the, all over the platforms, you know, regarding crypto and yep. that lets you spot the trends at the very origins or actually, you know, just to this extent that you are creating the trends. And, uh, I think you're doing an amazing job. That's, that's the first thing, but the second Thank thing, you. <laughs> you're welcome. But the second thing, you know, is that I can remember that you guys literally build an exchange from the scratch in a matter of three weeks. Is that correct? <laughs> yep. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, sort of the, the, the back end of it. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you like spill some beans on that? I mean, it's so curious. Like it, it, it's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's trying to find the right way to phrase it. Like, I think that there's sort of like two different ways that you could imagine if you were to launch an exchange, you could, at least going into it, there's sort of two different hypotheses that we had. And one of them was, it's, uh, here's the things you need for an exchange. You know, you need a matching engine, you need an order book, a way for people to place orders, um, and an API, and you're done. Um, and obviously that's oversimplifying things. But we're sort of like, okay, that's what an exchange is. And then, yeah, okay, you put a GUI on it. You know, maybe you want more complex products. But that's sort of the heart of it. Oh, shit, no, wait, deposits and withdrawals. You got to add those on. The other way of thinking of it is like, it's almost impossible to build a good exchange. Like, it, it takes people a very long time. Like, there's lots of problems with these existing ones, which is a pretty strong signal that it's, it's a lot harder than it looks. And it's sort of this gigantic black box and who even knows how, what's in it? Like, like there's sort of like all these secrets in it, all this stuff in it you couldn't even think about beforehand. And when you put all that together, it's just like a monumental task that takes a thousand people. And it's sort of like unclear from the outside, I think, like which of those 
is basically right, you know? And, and you sort of unclear to us from the outside as well, which of those is basically right. And, and I think that's like a big question we had going in, you know, can we just do this or are we going to like figure out eventually like, no, we can't just do this. And the answer is sort of somewhere in between. Um, at its core, at its real core, it was the first answer is, yeah, you can just do it. Um, and yeah, an exchange is a matching engine plus an order book plus deposits and withdrawals and API and a GUI, and that's an exchange. Um, <laughs> and, and, and no, there aren't other things. That's the exchange. Um, that's like sort of a decent fraction of the answer. And we've uh -huh. remained perplexed. Okay. That is sort of like, for a lot of other teams, seems like so much more difficult than that. The other part of the answer, though, is that there's so much fucking shit that surrounds it. There's so many things you have to do to, to get right if you want to have a good exchange. It's like extremely, like it'd be extremely easy for us to launch a bad exchange. Like that's like a three-day project. But if we want to launch a good exchange, it, that's yours. And, and, and what does that mean? What, like what, what's the difference there? How about customer support? If you want good customer support, well, you have to have, okay, that's a whole process, right? Um, and you probably, like, however hard you think it is, unless you're one of the, like, irate assholes who sends, like, extremely angry messages about nothing and is always wrong, like, no, you definitely don't understand how hard it is because those are the people who make it really hard. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you're like, okay, God, I have to deal with that. And then you're like, security. And, and you might be like, okay, whatever, you know, I don't know, there's, like, solutions. Uh, but solutions, like, there's sort of standard practices here. And the answer is, yeah, that's half the answer. But the other half is just all these things you face, you know, questions. And, and I'll give you sort of an example of this, which is not something that we thought hard about beforehand. Let's say that, um, well, here, here's the thing that happened like a few months into FTX is that um, somewhere on it's probably on the dark web, some person bought a list of a bunch of username password combos from a bunch of websites that had previously been hacked, you know, just like random websites, you know, like whatever, like, you know, you know, like where a blogger or something, you know, got, got whatever things got hacked eight years ago. And it's like, you know, password username combos leaked and just like a database of those. Someone buys them. They go to FTX and they just try all of them. You know, they're just like, I'm logging in with this combo. Now I'm logging in with this combo. Okay. And, you know, and then you could ask a question of like, what fraction of accounts on FTX at the time? So first of all, if you have 2FA, this just fails. Like there's absolutely nothing to if you have 2FA. If you use a password you've never used before, it also just totally fails. Um, if you have a withdrawal password on your account, it totally fails. And so then, you know, you're sort of left with like, what fraction of people do literally nothing to secure their account and also reuse a password that they used at a different site that got hacked? shockingly many like a significant fraction of all users do that as it turns out mm -hmm. if you don't stop them and so someone just started trying all these and they actually hit a lot of accounts you know okay and and and, and so we were sort of like what the fuck are people doing but but also like all of a sudden we had to face this thing of like is this our fault right like mm -hmm. we didn't get like the nothing happened to the exchange you know like we're fine. All of our security systems are, are fine. In fact, doing exactly what they're supposed to. But like a lot of users sort of chose to, to like use compromised credentials 
mm-hmm. someone had submitted those credentials into withdrawal. So some surprise, yes, yeah, doing exactly what it's designed to do. But like then also there are lots of angry customers. And they're sort of angry at themselves more than anything else, but they're definitely not happy. And it's like definitely not good for FTX that this happens. And so all of a sudden we sort of have to revise what we think of as security. And it's not just like make sure that like no one can get into our systems. It's also a lot of like make it really hard for people to shoot themselves in the foot, you know? And so like our response to that was now in order to generate a deposit address on FTX in the first place, you have to use 2FA. You have to use 2FA, add 2FA to your account before you can deposit anything. Yeah. And that way they can make sure that no one has that, like that attack doesn't work. Severin has 2FA. Um, but of course, you know, that's just like taking freedom away from users is, to some extent. It's a little sad, but it turned out to be pretty necessary. Uh, um, uh, and, and so that's like an example of thing, like before you launch an exchange, you don't think about that. But once you have one, there's just like so many things like that, which are not literally necessary to launch a functional exchange that does exactly what it's quote unquote supposed to do. Yeah. But if you want to build a really good experience, there's just a lot more that goes into it. Yeah. I think you could kind of like, you know, just wrap it with, with the some Pareto rule, like 80-20, right? That the 80% exactly. of the entire meat, you know, just comes with the, I would say, the framework of the exchange, as you, as you name it, right? With the meat. Yep. While the 20% is actually what makes the game and makes you special, right? And exactly. And yeah, exactly. The key thing is there's other exchanges. So he's not enough anymore. You know, in 2014, it was. To be clear, 2014, you didn't need the other 20%. Like, yeah. you didn't even need all the 80%. You know, like, withdrawal sometimes work was kind of good enough. Um, but by now, yeah, it's you're not going to have a competitive exchange unless it's a re- it's a really good one. Oh yeah, I agree. And uh, and based on based on my experience, I can completely guarantee and confirm that you are you know what you're talking about, <laughs> and you are really <laughs> doing what you are talking about. So that's amazing. Uh, I I still have a couple more questions to go. Uh, yeah. Um. Super curious, you know, there was actually like, you know, some busyness all over the Twitter, like this entire buzzing, you know, just a noise uh, from the Arthur Hayes part, right? And BitMEX, you yep. know, CDFC, you know, just kind of like uh, CFTC actually alleged, you know, just BitMEX, you know, not meeting the actual compliance, right? Being being charged with some yep. uh, fraudulent like situations. Uh, so I wanted to very quickly touch upon that. Like, is it hard? I mean, legally, or actually you are located in Hong Kong. So is it hard for, in, for a person living in Hong Kong to run a crypto exchange regarding you know, all the regulations? I think I'd say this is a lot of the 20% type thing of like, it's hard to do a good job of it and it's not impossible, but you have to be, you have to think it through. You have to be intentionally, you have to be careful. And, um, and, and, and you know, we've, over the last year, put a lot of thought into what we do and how we structure it. And, you know, a lot of thought into, you know, we, how our KYC policy is structured, a lot of thought into how we monitor deposits and withdrawals for, you know, things like stolen funds. Um, you know, a lot of thought into uh, how we have detection systems for potentially, you know, manipulative or fraudulent activity. Um, and uh, a lot of thought into, what jurisdictions we're in and we and and that we service and you know, I, I think the biggest thing i'd say here is like um is you know it's uh it's not a trivial thing to get right it's also not impossible uh but you know you do have to have put that thought into it 
you know, if you just sort of don't think about it at all, um, you're probably not doing things that are legal. Okay. I get it. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It actually, you know, just sucks big time. If you, I mean, if you think about it, you know, I'm, I'm talking from my perspective, I live in Poland, Europe, Central Europe. Yeah. And, um, Poland is extremely, you know, just unfriendly to any sort of like crypto services, right? Yep. So there were there have been a few crypto exchanges, most of them actually collapsed or were charged with some actual like fraudulent situation. Uh, some of them, you know, just actually, you know, uh, well, being registered, you know, on, uh, on Seychelles, for example, right, on Malta, whatever. But, uh, you know, what, again comparison I'm, I'm having actually you know for for the experience from my own country and any other and, and for example like us for the compliance just as as, as for example you know uh, as we know many exchanges so uh, pretty much like didn't meet you know the, the the expectations from the sec for example point of view to enable the actual regulated or secured yeah. uh, investing in there but um if you um if you were to comment on that, perhaps, do you see some kind of like actual, I would say, trends from your supplier's point of view regarding like where the exchanges are going? Like what are the trends in the next couple of months? Like what you see people start are starting to need right now that they are not really aware of publicly? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. Um, and, I, and I guess like, you know, are you thinking about that from like a regulatory perspective or a jurisdictional one or from a product or, or yeah, or, or, or what? Okay. Yeah. So from the, from the user point of view, I mean, you see, yep. there is, there is definitely like the seasonality in crypto, right? Every couple of months yep. you would have some different new, yep. new trends, right? Yeah. So right yep. now it's DeFi. So yeah. What, what? So what's, what's next? What's, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. And I certainly can't say no because I didn't predict DeFi. Um, so uh, I can give you some things that I wouldn't be shocked by. Yeah. Um, I think a continuation of DeFi. Um, I think that uh, payment networks, uh, remittances, and currency uh, is another sort of obvious strength of crypto. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see more growth there. Uh, you know, options were just starting to heat up before it became DeFi season. Maybe it goes back to options season. That could happen or, or serve derivatives in general. Yeah, and the options are um, kind of like forgotten already. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's extent. amazing how Deribit went from like, you know, the most talked about exchange to a complete afterthought in like a week. Yeah. Because it went from like literally their wheelhouse to like something they've never touched. And I don't know, maybe it'll be the hottest thing again in a month. Like, we'll see, you know? And, uh, you know, so I, I, so yeah, yeah, and I think like um, it's yeah, it's a good question, and you know, I it could go back there. It could just be sort of a boring few months, like we've had those before. Yeah, you know, it's kind of slow. People trade Bitcoin. Sometimes they trade Link. Sometimes they trade Ripple. They don't trade like long tail coins. So for now, so they're, big, they're for you know, now they're going to trade like this, you know, presidential contracts for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. The next right. month, I, I think like there's definitely going to be some focus on the election. Yeah, I just I just actually before we hopped out of the show, I was I was checking, you know, your Twitter and there was this post pretty much about uh, I think it, it was it was you either that retweeted that or just tweeted, you know, regarding this. Uh, oh, there there you go. The word has made up its mind, right? COVID <laughs> bad. Yeah. 
And there was like instant like drop with with what Trump said. Like I'm just I'm just wondering, you know. Again, I'm not U.S. citizen, so it's it's kind of like watching, you know, yeah. from the sideline, of course. But I'm just wondering, like, do you think like Trump, Donald Trump, could play, let's say, the game of uh, well, of kind of like building this this feeling of of of, of compassion, I guess, you know, with, with people, Absolutely. so that people. I mean, and I think yeah. that like you know, one thing you could imagine is like. If he beats this COVID and he beats it resoundingly, it could look like sort of like a, a heroic success story in, in some framings. And I wouldn't be shocked if that's how it ended up, you know, like like that's uh certainly right now it's bad for him, but he, you know, he has time before the election. That could change. Yeah. Um, I think it's like not totally obvious how this ends up being for him. I, I think that's yeah. absolutely right. And you know, obviously it's assumed that he makes Uh, sort of full swift recovery, which I think is like decently like like I think that's certainly like most likely and 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 certainly you know for sake hoping that that he does um uh, but you know I think like it's yeah I don't I don't think it's totally obvious how this ends up yeah yeah I I gotta get I gotta be honest right with with Donald Trump for example or any any other politicians you know whatever they do publicly on, on social media especially you know with 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 tweet you know the yeah. announced with tweet right that he's actually having like positive you know just uh test you know for for covid and uh yeah. like when you compare it with the past i would say months that he would pretty much like reject and deny anything you know publicly right and or don't even yeah. pretty much like touch upon this topic all of a sudden it just comes out public from his you know just i would say mouth right and uh yeah. you know It, 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 there's really yeah, no. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, you know. I, I know mean. what you mean. I mean, it's and I think also like I was surprised to see the tweet. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm gonna be honest. I thought if you got it, you might not tell anyone. Yeah. And and you know, obviously, one take on this is like he told people because he thought it was gonna actually net help him. Yeah. Resonates. It's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's a good question. And I think like, I, uh, it's, I, uh, I think that there's another, you know, there's a tweet like last night that one of his advisors had gotten it. And so the other take is just like, he got tested last night. She had it and it just came back positive and like automatically was tweeted. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but yeah, no, I was, I was honestly expecting that he might just not say anything if he got it. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty much similar thoughts on my end, definitely, Sam. And uh, you know, this actually brings me to the last very two questions, uh, and to kind of like get to know more about your other ventures. That is, for example, the Alameda Research, right? And yep. uh, it is, from what it reads, the trading firm and the liquidity provider. Like, do you guys? really i would say <clears throat> like work so 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 much regarding the uh you know the trading firm or is it more for the liquidity provi provision i mean this is like for the for the providing this is overall like buff a bit you know is, is is definitely needed in the cryptocurrency industry especially but uh like is this is this any kind of like split of your attention that you mainly just focus for example on the liquidity providers or, or part yeah, or it's a good question and you know i spend most of time on the ftx side and <coughs> uh, and, and you know, I'm sort of pretty fortunate that Alameda has uh, uh, you know a really good group of, of people to take charge of, of the trading there and liquidity there. <coughs> um, 
And mm-hmm. and the other thing which has been great is just like over the last year, um, the liquidity base on FTX has become <coughs> a lot more diversified. There's now there's no, you know no one's you know there, there's no no one from that's like half the liquidity on it or anything. And so that's been really great for sort of the sustainability of the platform too. Okay, so unless it's a hidden kind of like you know just secret sauce. How does one create liquidity and how does one provide liquidity? It's a really good question. And I'd say there's two different things this can mean. One is arbitrage and just just eating deltas. And so one thing you can do is just find where things are trading on other exchanges. Just like pride slightly wider than that. And like you're just doing arbitrage. It's sort of riskless if you do everything right, but it's like really hard to do everything right. Like it's like you're you're usually right, but every time you fuck up, you just lose a lot of money. And so like I, uh, you know, you you have to just like really nail it and think hard about what happens when markets are moving. Um, that's one answer. The other answer, though, is like sometimes there's no book which is more liquid than anything else. And that's not just arbitrage. That's the bids are people who are actually holding positions. And same with the offers. And from that perspective, you know, what do you do? Well, that's harder. And Um, and you know, I think what I'd say is like, well, I, it's, you know, either you have to have, have have to have, you know, actual conviction in a project to buy it, you know, or, Mm -hmm. and, and so like, you sort of get this, like two types of liquidity bouncing off each other. One is sort of like relative value, you know, like, like across different exchanges or like short periods of time or something like that. And then another which is interplaying is uh, is people who are like, no, this is just too low. I'm going to buy it. Like this is worth too much. I'm going to sell it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the other side of it, which is interesting. Okay. So this is more of the market analytics that actually just kind of like exactly. you know, comes with the background yeah. here. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely the knowledge, you know, just needed from, from your past, I guess, experience, you know, for being a trader, you know, in the trading firm. But, um, you know, this brings me actually to, The last question of the show, and you've been so generous with your time already, so I definitely want to, you know, just take a very good use of your time and, and, your, and your generosity. And tell me, Sam, Sam um, what your plans for short term or for long term are for, for yourself as a person, right? Yeah. And for the FTX. I think just keep growing it as big as, as, big as I can, and I think... What that means might take different twists and turns depending on what happens. And like, I, I can't promise it'll be exactly one thing, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, we want to be responsive to what customers want and list of products people want. And, you know, some of that's improving our current systems and products, but I can also see that, say that hopefully I'm pretty optimistic that within the next month, there's going to be some pretty cool stuff launching. On FTX, um, which which I'm super excited about. So. Awesome, awesome! Some good teas, some good teas. <laughs> well done, <laughs> well done. Uh, yeah, and there's this one tiny, tiny bonus that I always wanted to ask you about. Uh, yep. From what I know, you did study physics, right? Yep. Is that correct? So, with uh, you know, I myself, I'm an engineer, um, although not not physics, more like of chemistry, but uh, You know, do you think, I mean, it's kind of like out of the box, you know, just completely different stuff, but do you think like space travel will be ever possible? 
Yeah, I think it probably will. There's sort of no reason it can't theoretically be. And so I think best guess is that it will be. I wouldn't say 100%. Like, things can fail, and, and maybe priorities change. You just never get there. But, I, uh, you know, I think that there's been enough proof of concepts of it that um, – So yeah, how about that, yeah? How about how about you just then you know when the space travel is actually actually well confirmed, discovered, invented? Yep. Uh, how about you just take FTX and go back in time, you know, to the Wild West times, you know, of eighty oh, century, boy. right? I mean, it's going to be it's go you know it's going to be an interesting case for sure. Uh, that yeah. would be that'd be a fun uh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, everybody, you know, with this, with this kind of like, you know, just crazy bonus, I wanted to actually wrap, you know, the show with amazing, truly inspiring from where you also confirmed by just watching that, uh, guess that Sam Bankman-Fried is or SBF Alameda, the head of FTX Exchange and Alameda Research, a truly inspiring and amazing person. Sam, thank you for being on the show. I'm so happy for your being here and truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. The Newest Crypto Platform offers a comprehensive suite of crypto trading tools, indicators, educational programs, and earning opportunities to help you become a more profitable trader. Visit theburbness.com slash newscrypto to get started. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nestro. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbness.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at thebirdnest.com slash discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestro at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.